Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic is part two of our What If series, and we're looking at what if injuries did not affect NBA players' careers. We're looking at four different players today. We're going to look at Greg Oden. Brandon Roy, Grant Hill, and Derrick Rose. So we're going to start with Greg Oden. And Jalen, what potential did Greg Oden have if injuries had not affected his career? I mean, honestly, I'm not going to say that Greg Oden could have been any, like, crazy the White Howard-level all-star in terms of, like, three-time defensive player of the year award winner and things like that in terms of Dwight's prime. But I think that Greg Oden genuinely could have been like a an Andre Drummond-like rebounder for any team. A guy who could get 8, 10, or even 15, maybe even 20 rebounds in a game as a big, hunky seven-footer that really could have been a force down low for a lot of different teams transitioning his game. He's one of those players for Portland that I felt like if he was healthy, he was that punch next to LaMarcus Aldridge's finesse. Because LaMarcus Aldridge has always been kind of a mid-range finesse-style shooter, never really plays crazy back to the basket. But if he does, he has that, you know, that cool little Dirk-style-esque fadeaway jump shot that goes has the high arc but falls down and somehow seems to always hit the hoop. So I really feel like he could have just been a really significant rebounder and a big-time shot blocker considering that he averaged eight rebounds in the two years that he did have with Portland before, you know, having to slow things down because of injury. I would say for you, in terms of where you feel like he would stand, do you feel like even if he wasn't affected by injury in terms of, like, coming into the league with injury struggles? I mean, he missed his entire rookie season. Do you think he was the type of player that really would have had a long-lasting career, like the type of player with his build and frame and size that actually could have had some true longevity to his career? Or was this almost kind of bound to happen? Coming out of college, he kind of he had similarities to Shaq, Bill Russell, Hakeem Olajuwon, those types of centers that could be major impacts on the game. His career kind of reminds me of the end of Yao Ming's career. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think, I would say like Yao Ming and Dikembe Mutombo, like the end of both of their careers. In terms of injury wise, like Yao Ming was a great center. I could definitely put him in the top 10 centers of all time. Dikembe Mutombo was a great rim protector. But if you remember Dikembe Mutombo, like he had knee issues going into that final season with the Houston Rockets. Yao Ming had foot issues going into his final season with Houston Rockets. I can't say this was bound to happen with Gray Oden because coming out of college, he was a force to be reckoned with. I talked in the last episode about what kind of a formidable duo he could have been with LaMarcus Aldridge and Brandon Roy by his side. I was watching a video and in the 62 games that those three guys played together, 
they won 50 games. They went 50 and 12. Wow. So if you talk about the potential of this team, it was, it was very high. Now, in terms of Greg Oden himself, I would love to take a guy out of college who's playing 15 and 10 in a game. Um, True. He's very much like an old-school center. I think he can use his size in the post and bully defenders around, much like Shaq. I think he was built to dominate. Unfortunately, his rookie season was, was just plagued with injuries. He had that arthroscopic knee surgery because I think his leg was like one leg was shorter than the other. And the crazy thing about it was I don't even think injuries really plagued his play either. Like he was still putting up good numbers when he was on the court. But the thing is, there were two issues. The Blazers were playing good without him. And when they hit the playoffs against the Houston Rockets, he didn't match up well against Yao Ming. I'm not saying he was a bad center. The potential that he had, I think he was very close to Shaq in terms of his size. I don't know how long that experiment would have lasted. Considering in the last episode, we, we both kind of agreed that if Kevin Durant was chosen instead of Greg Godin, I think we would be talking about Portland as one of the great NBA teams of today. And I mean, I think that's a big statement. I mean, I feel like honestly, this is almost a perfect way to transition into Brandon Roy because I feel like compared to Greg Oden, this is a guy who I feel like produced on the court consistently, high volume scorer, three-time All-Star in the six years that um, he did play. And this was a guy who I feel like we almost didn't even get to see the best of him. Like, I feel like with Greg Oden, we saw what we were going to get from his career in total. Kind of what we saw from him at Ohio State, at least to me personally, I feel like with his style of play, would have been his ceiling in terms of transitioning to the NBA being a 15-10 type of guy. Brandon Roy, on the other hand, especially considering that before he retired the first time, and then and then went to the Timberwolves and then came back and then left again. He was a player that didn't even get to crack his prime yet. Basically was finished at 28. Most players don't really crack that prime until about 28, 29, 30 years old. So this is a guy that we didn't even really get to see the best of and was averaging 18.8 points, could score from all three levels of the floor, of course, hit a Dame Lillard-esque shot of his own in the playoffs in terms of being able to win a playoff series of his own. And then on top of that, it's just like the idea that with a player with that type of dynamic offensive skill set, man, how he would look just a couple years down the line in like a league like now as maybe, yes, he would be more of like an older 33, 34, maybe even 35-year-old point guard. But his game <laughs> transitions in such a way that I feel like he genuinely could have had a longer career. Out of the two, out of Greg Oden and Brandon Roy, whose injury do you feel like really hurt the potential of this team the most? I'm going to say Brandon Roy. Again, I still feel like Greg Oden should not have been picked. I think Kevin Durant was the clear and obvious choice for Portland. I'm strongly, strongly convinced that Brandon Roy is a superstar. I think his injuries overshadowed how great of a point guard he actually was. If you think about a guy who averaged 16, four rebounds, and four assists, and 
shooting the ball well from not only the field but beyond the arc as a rookie, imagine what type of player he would become in later years with the Blazers. An incredible mid-range shooter, explosive point guard. I think he was the most complete player on the team. There were no flaws with his game. I just saw a guy who was a superstar. And I think what the most memorable part about his run was game four of the 2011 playoffs against the Mavericks. I think they were down like 24 points. They were down like 24 points in game four of the 2011 playoffs. And Brandon Roy single-handedly led a comeback against the Dallas Mavericks the same season that they went, that the Mavericks went to play the Heat. The problem was that his injuries derailed his career. Now, here's what I believe what could have been. He could have been an MVP. He could have formed a formidable trio with Greg Oden and LaMarcus Aldridge. And I also think he was the franchise player in Portland. What was the highest potential that you believe that Brandon Roy had? I mean, genuinely speaking, I mean, even back then, I felt like he was one of the best guards in the game. This is one of those guys who, you know, somehow did not make our underrated series. But, man, like, when we get on that long term, that's going to have to definitely be a series down the line because, I mean, rather than just a single episode or two. Because, I mean, there are a lot of guys like Brandon Roy who, I mean, we're talking about unfortunately just got capped out a lot earlier than we would have wanted. And, I mean, like I said before, a three-time All-Star in the six seasons he played, you mean to tell me half the time he was in the league, he was an out, he was an all-star, and that's with somebody who struggled with injury? This wasn't something that, like, just kind of dawned on him, got a career-ending injury, and it kind of messed up the trajectory of the rest of his career. No, this is somebody who struggled with consecutive injuries throughout his career and still found a way to be an all-star for half of it. I mean, that's a pretty big deal to me. And I feel like he's one of those guys that just had an offensive skill set that honestly could have, you know, really helped in the way that the game is transitioned to become the way it's become today. Similar to Steph Curry, maybe not in terms of a range level, but in terms of a guard having an all-around game, contributing to that transition of the all-around point guard. Yeah, and I think that he's somebody that he's probably one of the biggest superstars at the time. When you think of the Trailblazers in 2006, you talk about a team that's coming off the Jailblazers era with Rasheed Wallace and Damon Stoudemire and Steve Smith, like those great teams of the early 2000s. But then you think about the Trailblazers at that time, it's like, okay, you're transitioning, you're trying to clean up the image of the team, and now you're trying to like rebuild, but at the same time, you're also being successful too in, in rebuilding. Like you said, I think uh, it was the last episode that you said that this team was like a 50-win team in the previous seasons. By the time they had, that they had drafted Greg Oden the following season, they had 41 wins and were able to sneak in as the eighth seed. But if you look at like the team itself, like Brandon Roy is the MVP of this team. I can't see really anyone else filling the shoes of a guy like Brandon Roy, especially considering, like I said, how explosive of a point guard he was. I just feel like his success is unmatched, but his injuries definitely hurt his career because we could have definitely been talking about this guy as one of the greatest guards of all time. Instead, he's a what-if story. I mean, again, a a great way to transition because, I mean, you talk about having a hard time filling somebody's shoes. This next guy, Grant Hill, man, I mean, we're talking about 
LeBron James before LeBron James at one point. I mean, put that in perspective. For any younger viewer that we have, we're talking about a guy in Grant Hill coming out of Duke who was pretty much the biggest thing since, since sliced bread, pretty much. We're talking about Grant Hill as probably one of the next top guys to slide into that wing position and set the league on fire. Seven-time um, All-Star, averaged 21.6 uh, points in six seasons with the Pistons. Still never really fell off when he ended up on the Magic, still averaging 16.4 in six seasons he did with that. A career near 50, um, 50% shooter from the floor, tacking six rebounds, four assists. I mean, this is a guy that before his, like, so, his slow dissension, by the, by the time he ended up with Phoenix, I mean, this guy was a dog, a pure certified bucket getter. And um, I mean, to know that a guy like Grant Hill, man, hashtag biggest what if story ever, low key, man, just out of the fact that we know what type of potential he had. Ryan, my thing is like, how many championships could this guy have had if he was healthy, man? Well, I think you hit right on the head because I feel like we're not only on the same chapter, but we're reading the same book. He is the biggest what if in NBA history. I think the guy, the potential of Michael Jordan, dubbed the next MJ, as popular as Michael Jordan, had a loaded resume, a loaded career coming out of Duke, and takes over a Pistons team that's basically reeling off the bad boys era with Joe Dumars. They also had Allen Houston. They had uh, a young Jerry Stackhouse as well in those years. The problem was the team that he was surrounded with outside of Stackhouse, Dumars, and Houston, it wasn't very good. I don't think the potential of the team itself with Grant Hill would have helped considering they every time they entered the playoffs, they couldn't make it out of the first round. And every time they missed the playoffs, they didn't have a considerable amount of wins that would really get them like noticed or recognized in the NBA. Grant Hill was the superstar of those teams, though. If you're asking me how many championships this guy could have won, I want to say if he had stuck around for the Bad Boys 2 era, I would say at max three. This is keeping in mind that they don't get Ben Wallace. I think if they – so if they – if the trade actually happens, if we're thinking the trade actually happens, Ben Wallace goes to – to Detroit, Grant Hill goes to Orlando. I really don't know that this team could have won three championships if we're think if we're taking that into account. This is taking into account that if Grant Hill was healthy, if that ankle injury didn't happen in 2000, the same ankle injury that basically plagued him throughout his career, I think he would have been part of a formidable Bad Boys team in 2004 that had Chauncey Billups, Tayshawn Prince, Rasheed Wallace, and Rip Hamilton, and with Eldon Campbell playing the same position that Ben Wallace would be playing. I think the team could have won three championships, and I think they could have won 60 to 65 games. I kind of feel like that with a guy like Grant Hill, he had no ceiling. Like His potential was sky high. A lot of people were expecting big things out of him, and he was the most popular player. In 2000 and 2001, he only played four games, and he was an all-star starter. Like, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. You're only playing four games, and you're an all-star starter? It's crazy. But 
I think that Grant Hill is a guy that I admire for his play because he was LeBron James before LeBron James was LeBron James, a guy that could stretch the floor, move the ball up, and distribute and shoot. I think he was a complete player. I mean, everyone had the right to dub him the next MJ, but I'm confident that this team could win three championships. And I mean, man, you you are you are great with the alley oops today, my dude. Because I mean, we're talking about backcourts, we're talking about next MJs, we're talking about next LeBrons, and I mean, dude, Derrick Rose, man, Derrick Rose, man. I'm sure there's a lot of different Derek things Rose. that come to come to mind as soon as you say his name. But honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is MVP, man. There was a time where this is, you know, this is the next savior of Chicago, dude. Chicago kid. Ends up getting picked up by the Bulls' hometown team. He's got to put his team back on the map. And I think, honestly, his Chicago Bulls teams with Tom Thibodeau, Carlos Boozer, Taj Gibson, Joakim Nova, and Luol Deng, I mean, as a, as a Bulls fan, you can't tell me we weren't one of the best teams to try to hold up against the big three heat. Like, I mean, I genuinely feel like MVP Derrick Rose, three-time All-Star, 20 plus point averager um in terms of his first three to four years with the bulls i mean man he he made he made the engine go he's what made them such a formidable team and i honestly looking back at it my first thought process is like man why did he leave him in the game like when when derrick rose went down with that injury and grabbed his ankle I got to see that game live, not in person at the stadium, but I watched that on TV as if I was right there in front of the in front of the basket when I saw him drop. And I kind of just knew it was over. And the first thing that I could ask myself is why was he even in the game? So to know that his whole season, his whole career really from this point forward, he's starting to get his he's starting to rejuvenate things now, but like his entire career trajectory has changed where he went from potentially being one of the greatest guards in the game to now it being a, a discussion on whether or not he could potentially be a Hall of Famer, even though he was the youngest person to ever win the MV, MVP. It's like, oh, man, if you can't tell, my Bulls fandom is coming out because I'm just so butt hurt right now. But, like, I mean, Ryan, where would Derrick Rose rank amongst point guards if this man didn't get hurt. I'm glad I let you take the take the reins on this take. As I wanted to see how you felt truly about this Derrick Rose era. This definitely hurt you. I, I feel like this just hurt you. Like I am, the, this entire era, the, the entire injury era of Derrick Rose just hurt you. But if we're talking about Derrick Rose, I would say he is a top five point guard. I, I would think in that era, Agreed. if he did not get injured, I say he's a top five point guard. If you think about how good he really was, I was actually about to pose this question to you. How good was Derrick Rose? Derrick Rose, youngest MVP in the league. He was basically the face of the Bulls after MJ was gone. He makes a nice duo with Ben Gordon in those late 2010 seasons. Youngest MVP, like I said, a high volume shooter, an explosive point guard. He was a star in his rookie year. He's the type of player that helps teams win games and also makes the team better overall. When I think of the post-Jordan Bulls, I think Derrick Rose is the first guy that I think of. It's weird, that gap between 
99 and the last time the team made the playoffs, which was 2004, 2005. Who was really like the star of any of those teams? Man, that's all I'm trying to say, dude. Like, once you transition from Michael Jordan, man, Derrick Rose is it for our team, man. Like, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, if you say Chicago Bulls, who's the first person that comes to mind? Michael, who's the second person who comes to mind? Scotty Pippen, who's the third person? If it's not Derrick Rose out your mouth, you're crazy. Like, you're crazy. I don't want to hear Phil Jackson, this, that, and the third. Man, you didn't see him hoop. I promise you. He played for the Knicks 100 years ago. That's not who you saw play for that team. He was just the coach. Just like he was just the coach for the Lakers. He's the one who made the engine go. Don't get me wrong. But when you think of a name associated with a franchise, man, we talk about a Chicago kid in Derrick Rose who brought life back to the city for that team. And brought and for anybody that was a Bulls fan transitioning from the Jordan era who just eating all their words after eating the pot, you know, eating like kings for years, had to kind of face the music for a while. And Derrick Rose brought, not to make a pun, but brought the heat back when it comes to the Chicago Bulls, man. So it's just like, we're talking about a one-man show that damn near, yes, they were a defensive-minded team, but from an offensive standpoint, he damn near carried that team on his back to taking out the heat who had Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James multiple series, not just one or two years. This was multiple series where the Bulls, the only thing standing in the way of a finals appearance and a championship possibility was a team that had three all-stars and linked up like it was 2K. I mean, man, we're talking about one of the greatest guards ever of this dude. I got to ask you this. How long have you been a Bulls fan? Man, probably since like 04, 05. I mean, since I was young, man, I got put on the Jordan when I was younger, but, you know, obviously I didn't get to see him play, but my parents are old heads, so, you know, they always taught me about where the game came from. He's the first name that comes up in anybody's head. So, being that you became a Bulls fan the first time that they made the playoffs in six years, who is, who is somebody that took over the team that you remember before Derrick Rose, like what were the what were so talking to a a non Bulls fan like myself, who is a player that was a superstar before Derrick Rose even got there? Because we got we have to keep in mind how bad the Chicago Bulls were until two thousand four two thousand five. I mean, Ryan, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I almost feel like you're taunting me here, bro, because there's no way in the world I can name anybody off the top of my head, bro. I mean, that's like – that's some serious digging because, honestly, any player that I would have thought was a star wasn't a star, man. I mean, honestly, and I mean, the way the transition went, dude, I mean, once Derrick Rose brought life to that team, I mean, they had me rooting for guys like Kirk Heinrich, bro, who, like, granted, cerebral point guard, cerebral point guard, but pesky defender. I mean, everybody's obsessed with offense, but, like, Derrick Rose was the engine offensively that allowed that team to be defensive, and it was actually exciting. Guys like Joakim Noah out of Florida who could run a, run a fast break by himself and did not look like the type that actually had ball handling ability and somehow could lead a three-man fast break in transition. I mean – Man, I definitely, you know, I definitely understand that I probably picked up being a fan of their team at a good privileged time. 
And um, obviously it has a lot to do with their history. It's part of the reason that I got brought on, but I, you know, it's just kind of one of those student of the game type things. But I mean, to answer your question directly, bro, I mean, if it wasn't D Rose, it wasn't anything. So, I mean, until he showed up, that team fell off the map. So, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't anybody. I mean, that I think that's what makes D Rose's short, but well-documented stretch so significant is that he, after, after, after Michael Jordan, he is it. He was that. Well, this was a great discussion today, Jalen. Definitely something to think about, like what these guys could have been if injuries had not affected their careers. On the next episode, we're going to dive in into part three of our What If series, which is what if WNBA players could play in today's NBA? Thank <laughs> you.